Today, many people have used the word divine loosely. They say things like, oh, darling, you look divine. Or that meatloaf was divine. But what does divine really mean? Specifically, what does divine encounter mean? Defined, divine encounter means an encounter one has with God. So how do we encounter the divine God? The presence of God is a place of divine encounter. For example, Moses was in the physical presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. He truly had a divine meeting with the Lord. In the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 28, it says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. He had no need for food or water because the very presence of God sustained him. Ladies, if you need to be sustained by the almighty God, then we need to be in his presence. Some of you here, you're barely holding on. We need God to come and sustain us in our greatest time of need. You may be feeling drained, maybe trapped here. Maybe you don't think you can go on in your situation. But are you getting into his presence? When you and I start to get into his presence, guess what? Things begin to change. The atmosphere begins to change. And when we continually come to him, our encounter becomes more and more divine. Moses just didn't spend an hour with God or a day only. No, he was with him constantly for 40 days and 40 nights. And I know we all have responsibilities here and families and jobs, which may not allow you to be with him nonstop in his presence. But what we can at least try to do is be consistent when we pray, when we worship, when we get into his presence. Another key to having a divine encounter with God besides being consistent with God is how we position ourselves. That's important. For example, in the book of Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 17, it says, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over here and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again, and she began glorifying God. This scripture is a perfect example of how Jesus will show up when we come to church. He was at synagogue. Synagogue was like church in Jesus' day. Jesus went to synagogue weekly, just like we should be coming to church weekly. And this woman 
was to be able to be called out by Jesus himself for healing. Only because she had positioned herself in the house of God. This is why it is so important that we come to church whenever the doors of the house of God are open. When we are not positioned in the house of God, we are potentially missing out on miracles that God wants to perform in our lives. The woman in this miracle, she was oppressed and tormented by the devil for 18 years. But she did not allow her problem to keep her away from church. She could have been discouraged. She could have been discouraged after being sick for 18 years, but she kept coming. Wow, I know that that must have been hard. Some of us get discouraged after one month because our prayers aren't answered. So you stop coming to church altogether. Or you get into an argument with your husband and you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just not serving in ministry today. Are we serving man or are we serving God? Again, in another portion of scripture, the Lord healed the man in synagogue. It states in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand, and his hand was completely restored. This man was healed at church because he, too, positioned himself in church. Who is here today, positioned here tonight, right now, that needs a healing? Raise your hands. You need a healing? You're in the right place. God is going to meet you here, make a public declaration tonight, and Jesus is going to heal you. Hallelujah. You positioned your here, yourself here tonight in church. And just like Jesus healed this man and woman after being afflicted with sickness and disability just because they were in church, I believe many of you are also going to get healed tonight. Who receives that? Who receives that tonight that you're going to receive a healing? Hallelujah. You have positioned yourself for a divine encounter with God because you came to church today. Cancer is not too hard for God to heal. Thyroid disease is not too hard for God to heal. Diabetes is not too hard for God to regulate. And no storm in your life is too great for God to overcome. Look at what happened when Jesus was called upon a storm 
in the disciples' life. They were afraid. They felt their lives were in danger. They thought it was going to be over for them. But they were positioned right there with Jesus. They were in the same boat with Jesus. How many of you are in the same boat with Jesus? Yes. So what did they do? They cried out to Jesus and they asked him for his divine power. And here it is. In the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35, it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's interesting how the disciples asked what so many of us ask at times. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm dealing with? Why haven't you come through yet? I just don't understand. I give to your house. I pay tithe, God. Where are you? There's something important here. What an awesome God that even though they doubted and they approached Jesus wrong, he still got involved. Even when they lacked faith, this is the God of grace on us, ladies, that when we don't act in faith and even have a little bit of fear, Jesus still shows up for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The lack of faith that the disciples had at that moment, it was their weakness. But God's power was made perfect and evident at that very moment of their weakness. What does that show us, ladies? That even when we are at our weakest point, we can still have a divine encounter if we call upon the Lord. And basically, places matter to God. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49, it says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Notice what had to first happen was obedience. Jesus told them to stay in the city. The disciples had to stay in the city. 
They could have chosen to leave or simply not listen. The lesson here is that when we yield to God, he increases his power in us. If the disciples did not obey and stay, they would have missed out on his power. Ladies, the same goes for us. If we don't obey his commands for us at certain points in our life, we may lose out on divine opportunities for more power. Power not so you and I could boast in that power, no. But power that you and I need to go into the world and preach his message. A message of hope, a message of mercy, a message of deliverance, and a message of salvation. That's what he's called us to do. Who wants their family saved? Who needs deliverance and healing? Jesus gives us the reason why we need this power from on high. In the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 7, it says, He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Basically, Jesus knew that they were going to need power in order to go into the world to preach the good news. This divine encounter included a mission a job, a responsibility. Church, when God gives us power and authority, it's not only to have it, it's to use it for God's purposes, which is to build his kingdom. Hallelujah. But he also gave them and he gives us another powerful tool to build the kingdom. And guess what that is? The gift of tongues. Yes. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place like we are all here. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When the day of Pentecost came, ladies, it was a day that a gateway from heaven opened up. This was a supernatural access point for the disciples. When this gateway opened up, it changed the atmosphere completely. There was no storm, yet a strong wind rushed in. There was no fire, yet a heavenly fire not only was ignited, but it descended on the disciples like flames. That's powerful. This tells us that it was a fire that fell straight from heaven. This was the evidence of the power that Jesus talked about would come upon them. Tongues, ladies, is a heavenly language that only God understands. It is a divine language that God gave in order to equip the disciples to do his work. Think about it. 
He first gave them the Great Commission, their marching orders. He then gave them power through the fire that fell from heaven. And then he gave them the ability to speak in tongues. Ladies, we need to use all three in order to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Yes, and I know that many of you desire the ability to speak in tongues and maybe you don't yet, can I tell you like the prior point right here? Right now, you are positioned in the right place tonight to receive the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah. And you will speak in tongues if you desire that power. You, you wanna know what I do when I'm in the middle of a battle and I don't know what to pray? I pray in tongues, and I pray in tongues, and I pray in tongues, and I begin to feel the fire stirring up in me. I begin to feel strengthened supernaturally. I begin to feel like the battle is being won. I begin to feel my mind fixated on Jesus. It's no longer on the battlefield. It begins to be fixated on the master, my savior. And I begin to feel unspeakable stamina. The fire begins to burn up in me, doubt. The fire begins to burn up fear. The fire begins to burn up discouragement. And then all I begin to do is taste and smell the victory, victory, victory. In 2023, you will have victory. Claim it. Claim it. It's yours. It's yours. Look at what Paul the Apostle says about speaking in tongues and, his, and the gift. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, it says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul was saying that he was glad that he spoke in tongues more than all the believers. But it wasn't because it was a competition or a contest, no. It was because he knew that in his role as an apostle, as a leader in the church, as a spiritual father to many, as the planter of overseas churches and multiple churches, he needed to be in the spirit as much as possible because he was responsible for so much. He understood that he needed all of God's power to accomplish all that God wanted him to accomplish. Ladies, do you desire to accomplish more for the Lord? What's your desire? What do you want to do this year for God? God already knows it. He's already declared it in heaven. You take hold of that and you believe God for it. We need to desire the Holy Ghost fire that comes with speaking in tongues. Did you hear me? We need to desire that Holy Ghost fire because it's going to stir you from the inside out. It's going to make you want to do damage to the kingdom of darkness. It's going to make you take what the enemy stole from you.
It's going to make you get so full of fire. You're going to become hungry for the Lord, hungry for his word, hungry to spend time in his presence, hungry to worship. It's going to light you on fire. It's time to start using this gift more, ladies. It's time to put it into practice. It is a mandate that we use the gifts that God has given us. Like Jesus said, what good is salt if it loses its flavor? He hasn't given us the gift of tongues in order for us. He ha- no, he has given us the gift of tongues in order for us to be successful in the kingdom. And he will give you the ability to succeed. It's already in your hands, the ones that have already received it. You will be effective in the kingdom through the divine action of speaking in tongues. And how does using the gift of tongues affect the kingdom? This outpouring is a divine encounter that terminates demonic afflictions, solves problems, and transforms a person's life. Hallelujah. Yes. We are all in need of these type of encounters. The types of encounters that makes the devil run. The types of encounters that shatters the works of the enemy. It's time for a breakthrough in our lives, ladies. No more defeat. No more setbacks. No more doubt. Hallelujah. But we have to be aware of those things that can hinder these types of encounters. For example, two people can attend the same service, hear the same message, but have different results. Do you know why? It depends on their attitude, which leads to the next point. A right attitude draws a divine encounter. In 2 Kings, verse 6 through 16, it says, Oh, we, actually, we have an example of this when a king was looking to capture the prophet Elijah. It says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. These horses and chariots of fire were angels, by the way. Elisha's servant needed a little help with his spiritual attitude. All he saw was the danger, the problem the threat, 
but it took a man with the right attitude to help another with a not-so-good spiritual attitude to help him see the spiritual. We, too, need to help our fellow sisters that have a hard time seeing the spiritual to see things differently with hopes that their eyes, too, would be opened to see the spiritual and the divine presence of God in every circumstance. Because the truth is, sometimes what we see, it overwhelms us, doesn't it? It's impossible to ignore the problems that we face sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it seems like, oh God, there's no way out. Like you are surrounded. So here's the question. What is our spiritual attitude when we feel overwhelmed by the enemy? Do we freak out like this servant and say, oh no, what are we going to do? Or instead, do we ask God, open my spiritual eyes so that I may see your presence and your angels all around me? But there is something else here to consider. Maybe you may need a better attitude at helping those that have a not-so-good attitude in understanding you. Instead of getting frustrated with them because they don't have the level of faith that you do or the spiritual understanding and insight, our attitude should be like Jesus' attitude was with us when we didn't have the strongest faith. He was patient. He tried to help us, didn't he? Sometimes we get frustrated and we get impatient with people that we feel should be at a different level, but they're not. We need to instead change our attitudes to attitudes that want to help others increase and improve their faith walk so that they too can win their battles. Having this right attitude allows us to see the divine intervention of God who fights our battles. What battles of faith are you in right now? Are you battling lack of faith? Temptation? Doubt? Fear? It's all real. Ask God to show you that he is here for you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Imagine if we could see what Elisha saw. The servant only saw the army of the enemy at... Can you put up that slide for me, please? Okay, there it is. The servant only saw the army of the enemy at the bottom of that screen right there. But Elisha and later the servant saw the upper layer of this picture a heavenly, more powerful army of fire. You would see that you are not alone, that there are more fighting for you than there are against you, that God loves you so much that he would send angels' army to your aid. No devil could stand up to that. But we have to have the right spiritual attitude in order to experience this divine intervention. 
Another awesome example of a right attitude that caused a divine encounter is found in the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I love this story. Three Jewish boys that refused to bow down to a false god and a false king. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, their trousers, turbans, and other clothes, they were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and that the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, he leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Did you notice he said, servants of the Most High God? Now you want to give their God credit because God showed up, hallelujah. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and rural advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no fire on them, no smell of fire on them. Powerful. That's a powerful scripture. This was truly a divine encounter, ladies. Jesus met him in the fire. He was the fourth man because they had a right attitude. They said, we know God can do it. And if he wants to, he will. But even if he doesn't show up, we are still not going to bow down to your false gods. Let's not allow the pressure and the stress of the situation to cause us to compromise. Maybe you are considering bowing down to something right now that is a false god in your life. Something that you worship by giving all your time, your energy, your finances to. We can learn so much from these three Hebrew boys. They didn't give in. And as a reward, Jesus showed up. Hallelujah. Ladies, let's not give in to tough circumstances. Let's allow Jesus to show up by having a right attitude about him. He has done enough in our lives by saving us already. Anything else he does for us, it's up to him. The right attitude will draw a divine encounter 
the very presence of Jesus in your life, in your situation. In closing, we're going to say a prayer to correct and fix any wrong attitudes toward God. Once we have repented of these wrong spiritual attitudes, then I know God will show up in a divine way for us. And then we're going to have an altar call to receive the gift of speaking in tongues. But before we do this, I want to share something. One of the names of God is Jehovah Nisi. God is our banner. But what on earth does this mean? In ancient times, a banner was used in battle to communicate the next movements needed for victory. If a flag went up like this in the midst of the battle, it was their commander telling them, go that way. Or if it went up over here, it meant move toward that banner. You see, when we look to God as our banner, he will guide us into our next victory. Are you ready for victory, ladies? Are you ready for victory? God has raised his banner. Hallelujah. And even in the fiercest battle, there are more with you than there are with the enemy. And you know what you got to tell the enemy when he comes at you? No, devil. I'm taking back everything you stole from me. And you're going to pay me back double in Jesus' name. I'm tired of you taking me. You're going to pay back double because I'm marked with the blood of Jesus. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper in Jesus' name. Tonight, God is declaring victory over you. Victory in our cities. Victory in our churches. Victory in our houses. Victory in our marriages. Hallelujah. Victory in our children. Victory over all our battles. Hallelujah. Give them praise. Give God praise. Praise him. You are our victor, Jesus. You, you raise the banner. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, our banner. You are mighty. You are all powerful. Give him glory. Give him glory. Praise him. Hallelujah. Now let's get ready for an encounter with God who guarantees total transformation of life and destiny. I believe Jesus will show up right here, right now in all our circumstances, all of them. Let's bow our heads. We're gonna say a prayer. Repeat this after me. 
Lord, I know that you are my refuge and my strength, my help in time of need. Please help me to see you with the right attitude. And forgive me for the times I had a wrong spiritual attitude toward you and toward others. I need your Holy Spirit to help me. I accept your healing and deliverance. Lord, clothe me in dignity and strength and guide me into the victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At this time, if we can please have the worship music start. What we're going to do at this time is we're going to have an altar call to receive the gift of tongues. So if you're here and you've never received the gift of tongues, I want you to begin to make your way up to the altar and you want it. Make your way up if you have never received the gift of tongues. We're going to pray for you. Is there anybody here that has not received the gift of tongues? Don't be shy. God's going to give you a new weapon on your arsenal. Come on up. If you do not speak in tongues and you have never received the gift of tongues, come on up. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to read this scripture. In the book of 2 Timothy 1.6, it says, For this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So do not be ashamed. The gift of God is God's anointing. If there's anyone else in here that has never received the gift of tongues, I highly encourage you to come up here. God wants to give you it. You know, God loves every single one of you so much. And the fire of the Holy Spirit is about to fall like an atomic bomb right here for you, right here and right now. So what I want you all to do is I want you to lift your hands up to the Lord and begin to ask God, begin to tell him that you want to be blessed with the gift of tongues. And what I want everybody at their seats to do is I want you to lift your hands up to God and just start praying in tongues, only in tongues, only in tongues. And if we can have the pastor's wives come and help us pray for these women, pastor's wife, if you can come and help us pray for these women, we would appreciate it. Thank you.